Okay, imagine this. Uh, you're having coffee with a friend. Would it ever occur to you that your friend's breathing is using up a lot of oxygen? Okay, would you, would you ever worry that, you know, the, the coffee shop might run out of air? There might not be enough oxygen for me. Anybody who, that, that would cross their mind? There's therapy for you if, you know. <laughs> But new scenario, okay, here's another scenario. You're at the bottom of the ocean. You're in the depths of the ocean scuba diving with that friend. And something malfunctions with their tank, and they look at you frantically, and they begin pointing at your air hose. They want you to share your oxygen with them. Now are you a little bit anxious about sharing? Uh, you know, probably so. I know that those of you who are veteran scuba divers, there's protocol for what you do and, and whatnot, but I bet it would make most of us anxious. Now, why is that? Why would we fret about sharing our oxygen at the bottom of the ocean, but we, you know, we wouldn't hesitate at all to share our oxygen in the local coffee shop? I think the answer to that question is pretty obvious, isn't it? It's a matter of scarcity versus abundance. Okay, oxygen is pretty scarce, wouldn't you agree, at the bottom of the ocean? But there is all the oxygen you could want in the coffee shop. Well, we are beginning a new four-part series at Christ Community Church today, and each of us is going to discover as we go through this series whether we're driven by a scarcity mentality or by an abundance mentality. Now, people who are driven by a scarcity mentality are always concerned that there won't be enough for them. Okay, there won't be enough oxygen, or there won't be enough food on the table, or money, or time in the schedule, or recognition, or love, or fun, or whatever. So they have to hold on tightly to what they have. They can't give it away because there may not be enough left for them. People who operate with an abundance mentality, on the other hand, they believe there's plenty to go around. There, there's plenty of everything. And so they deal open-handedly with others. They're, they're always giving away oxygen or food or time or recognition or love or fun or whatever because they figure there's lots more where this came from. So are you a scarcity person or an abundance person? Are you a scarcity person or an abundance person? person. Now, those of us who are followers of Jesus Christ, we should be abundance people, right? I mean, we believe in a God who not only graciously meets our needs, he pours so much blessing in our lives that we can't possibly contain it. It's just got to overflow, overflow into the lives of people around us. So for the next several weeks, we're going to take a look at what this overflow looks like in four areas of our lives, four ways in which God has abundantly blessed every one of us, so much so that we can't keep it to ourselves. And as you've already heard, all 300 of our community groups, uh, so if you're in a community group, every community group, we're temporarily setting aside whatever our group has been studying, and we're all going to focus in together with this series on overflow. Now, if you brought a Bible with, with you today, I want you to turn with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 12, okay? 1 Corinthians chapter 12. Get the outline from your program. Fill it in as we, we go along. To launch the Overflow series today, we're going to be talking about the blessing of abilities. The blessing of abilities. God has given every one of us an abundance of abilities, of talents, of gifts. We are brimming, as the sermon title says. We are brimming with abilities. So let me pose three questions to you today about these abilities that God's given you. 
Okay, and this is why you want to fill in your outline as you go, because it's a little bit of a self-inventory today, and I think you'll find it fun to do for yourself. Okay, so the first question is this, what gifts? What, what gifts or abilities has God given you? Now, around Christ Community Church, we like to use an acronym, okay, S-H-A-P-E, SHAPE to describe the way that God has given every one of us gifts. Okay, every single one of us has a unique shape. Now, when I say that, I'm not talking about the shape of your body, all right? Whether you're short or you're tall or you're skinny or stout, whether you're muscular or marshmallowy. Every one of the five letters in this SHAPE acronym stands for a way in which God has wired you. So five ways in which God has wired you. The S stands for spiritual gifts. Okay, if you've surrendered your life to Jesus Christ, have you ever done that? You ever said very consciously, very de deliberately, Jesus, my life is yours. I want you to be the savior, the king of my life. When you surrender your life to Jesus, the Bible says that Jesus sends the Holy Spirit of God to come live inside of you. And when the Holy Spirit comes into your life, he brings with him spiritual gifts, special abilities that he empowers you to use. Now, now some of these spiritual gifts... Yeah, they sound pretty ordinary. They sound like ordinary talents. Uh, there's the spiritual gift of teaching, a spiritual gift of administration, spiritual gift of hospitality, of craftsmanship. So maybe you have one of those spiritual gifts. On the other hand, there are some spiritual gifts that sound pretty amazing. Maybe you have the spiritual gift of prophecy or the spiritual gift of speaking in an unknown language or the spiritual gift of healing. The Bible talks about those kind of spiritual gifts as well. But whether you have ordinary spiritual gifts or extraordinary, amazing spiritual gifts, the fact of the matter is they've come from the same Holy Spirit who wants to empower you to use them. So I want to take a look at a list of what some of those spiritual gifts are in 1 Corinthians 12. Now, now this is not a comprehensive list we're about to read. Okay, this is just a sampling list. In fact, if you go through the New Testament, you'll find four lists of spiritual gifts in the New Testament, and no two lists are alike. Because God's, God's intention is not to say, here are all the possible spiritual gifts out there. It's rather to say, here's a sampling. Here's the kind of stuff the Holy Spirit wants to do in your life. Okay, and the, the list I'm about to read to you from 1 Corinthians 12, it has some of the more amazing gifts on it, but don't let that put you off if you don't have amped up spiritual gifts, all right? I'm going to begin reading at verse 8, 1 Corinthians 12. It says, to one there is given through the Spirit a message of wisdom. Okay, some people who are just really wise by God's Spirit, they make good counselors, all right? To another a message of knowledge, that's another gift, by means of the same Spirit. To another faith. Okay, some people have just ginormous faith to believe what God can do. By the same spirit, to another gifts of healing by that one spirit. To another miraculous powers, to another prophecy. To another distinguishing between spirits. To another speaking in different kinds of tongues. To still another the interpretation of those tongues. And all these are the work of one and the same spirit. And he distributes them to each one just as he determines. Now I would love to take the time to... Uh, tease out what is meant by every one of the spiritual gifts in this list, but it would be a two-hour sermon, and I'm not sure most of you would stay for that, all right? But here's what we have done. We've actually put together a Bible study guide, and you could use this 
personally, or you could talk your community group into going through these eight lessons as a group when you're done with Overflow. It's on sale at Resource at all four of our campuses. We put it together some years ago. Eight lessons on what the Holy Spirit does in our lives, and two full lessons have to do with these spiritual gifts. Amazing and ordinary spiritual gifts, but a vast array of them. It's kind of like ice cream. Okay, how many of you like ice cream? How many of you really like it, but you didn't want to raise your hand and admit it? All right. So Sue and I, there's a favorite place we go to when we're up in Wisconsin in the summer on our study break, a little town up in Door County called Ephraim that's got a, an ice cream shop called Wilson's. I don't know if you've ever been to Wilson's. It's world famous. But when you walk in, you will be amazed at the variety of ice cream flavors. So there is peanut butter cup with Reese's Pieces in it. There is sea salt caramel with toffee, peaches and cream, tiramisu, death by chocolate, Mackinac Island fudge. Shall I go on? It's obvious I've memorized the menu, right? An overflow of ice cream flavors for the tasting. Just like there is an, listen, there is an overflow of spiritual gifts that the Holy Spirit gives to Christ followers. An overflow. And we're just talking about the S of shape. We've got four letters to go. Okay, so the H stands for heart. If you're a follower of Jesus, you've not only been given spiritual gifts, but King Jesus has given you a heart for certain kinds of people. So what kind of people do you have a heart for? Maybe you have a heart for kids. Uh, You just really love hanging out with children. Uh, Conversely, maybe you have a heart for the elderly. Uh, My mom broke her back a month ago, and so she has been in a rehab facility for the last several weeks. And I'm amazed every time I I visit at the love for the elderly, the workers in that place. They just love old people. Maybe God's given you a heart for the poor and the destitute. Maybe God's given you a heart for people who are investigating. They're exploring the Christian faith. They're not there yet in terms of a relationship with Jesus. Around Christ Community Church, we have a a special group for people like that. It's called Alpha. Uh, We do this 10-week course where you sit around a table and you could ask any question you want about God, about the Bible, about Jesus. And the people who volunteer to help with that course, oh my goodness, they just love people who are exploring the faith. They want to help them get their, their questions answered. So what kind of people do you have a heart for? Maybe you're a CEO who has a heart for business executives. Maybe you have a heart for immigrants. I wish there were more people in our country with a heart for immigrants. Maybe you have a heart for athletes or people with special needs or unwed moms or teenagers or visitors to Christ Community Church. You've got a heart for those people. I was talking to one of our zone leaders this last week. He's an electrician who happened to be doing some work at my house. And uh, every one of our campuses, the auditoriums are divided into zones. And he's his own leader with the job to make you feel welcome. And he told me, he said, you know, last week, I'll bet I hugged 40 people. So way to go. He's got a heart for people who come walking through the doors of our church. So what kinds of people do you have a heart for? What is your H? A. A stands for abilities. Kind of natural gifts. What are you good at? Are you good at sports? Can you build things? Can you fix things? I'm insanely jealous of you if you can because I can't. (laughs) Do you play an instrument? 
You know, are you the person whom friends call when something goes wrong with their computer? Uh, Can you make flowers grow, or do you know how to arrange flowers for tabletop decorations? Are you a photographer, a mechanic, a teacher, a good cook, a Pilates instructor? What are your abilities? What's your A? By the way, the exercise that we're doing together right now, this is what you want to do with your community group this week. P. Okay, P stands for personality. Let me take a quick survey here. How many of you are extroverts? Okay, you notice I didn't ask how many of our introverts because no one would answer. Okay. So maybe you're an extrovert or maybe you're an introvert. You, you may, may like math and science. You, you may like history and literature. You may like none of the above. (laughs) You may be a thinker or a feeler. You may be task-oriented or people-oriented. You may be laid back or high energy. What's your personality? You know, what's your P? I I was going to say, you know, we all got a P. But I thought, you know, better not say it that way. The E stands for experiences. Experiences. Now, some of you have been privileged to have some really good experiences in your life. You've had the opportunity to coach a little league team or to act in a play or to run a company or to raise a family of kids or to teach a CPR course or to travel to foreign countries. What are some of the good experiences you've had that that God has flowed into your life? Okay. Now, on the other hand, you, you may be able to look at some tough experiences in your life. Maybe you weathered a divorce, or you had to climb out of debt, or you broke an addiction with God's help, or you conquered algebra, yeah, or you've cared for an aging parent. What are your experiences? What's your E? S-H-A-P-E. My guess is that most of you over the last few minutes here have discovered you're, you're a much more interesting person than you thought you were when you walked in today. See, as you go through this little survey, your shape, what you discover is that God has poured into your life all sorts, if you're a Christ follower, all sorts of spiritual gifts and a heart for various kinds of people and abilities and personality traits and experiences. And he's done it so that you would overflow into the lives of other people, which brings us to the second question. Question number two, whose benefit I mean, who is supposed to benefit from all these abilities that God has blessed each of us with? Go back to 1 Corinthians 12 and drop down to verse 7. Okay, the Apostle Paul, who is writing this epistle, he says, Now to each one, the manifestation of the Spirit, the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good is given for the common good. Why did the Holy Spirit give each of us spiritual gifts? For the common good. For the common good. In other words, listen now, God didn't bless each of us with abilities, with our particular shape, just so that we could personally enjoy using these abilities. God deliberately gave us these abilities so that others would benefit, others would be served when we use them. Now, what others does God have in mind here in 1 Corinthians 12? When the Apostle Paul says that these abilities are for the common good, who's he referring to, the common good? Is he talking about our families? 
talking about our circle of friends that will benefit from our abilities, talking about the place where we work during the week. Is he talking about some community organization that we're part of? No. Here in 1 Corinthians 12, verse 7, the common good refers to God's organization, refers to the church. Paul makes it apparent throughout this chapter that God has given us an abundance of abilities, first and foremost, so that his church, the body of Christ, can flourish. Just finished reading a book, a new book, called Disappearing Church. Disappearing Church, the author, a guy named Mark Sayers, is a cultural commentator. Mark researches and writes about trends in contemporary culture. And it's his observation, one of the trends, is that the church in North America is slowly disappearing. And Mark says it's not just mainline liberal churches that don't preach the Bible anymore. It's churches like Christ's community church. It's churches that preach the good news about Jesus. Churches that teach God's word to people. And yet attendance is dipping in many solid churches, not because people are turning away from what they believe. They still believe all the right stuff. But because they're getting caught up in what Mark refers to as the culture of me. The culture of me. So Christ followers who once upon a time made a priority of serving others through the local church. They're now wrapped up in their own little world. It's it's all about my priorities, my family, my friends, my job. And Sayers says, and what about Christ's church? You know, what about what's referred to here throughout the 12th chapter of 1 Corinthians as the body of Christ? You know, the culture of me, we we place such a huge emphasis on individualism today, even among Christ followers, even our approach to the Bible. Some of us, we read the Bible as if it's a self-help book, as if it's been given to us so that we can become our best self now. You heard that before? Let me tell you something. Most of the New Testament that's been given to us, our our epistles that were written not to individual Christians, but written to churches and written to the pastors of churches to teach them how to build up, not individual people, but to build up churches, how to make churches flourish. You say, what's the big deal with church? I mean, am I, am I beating this drum just because I'm a pastor and church is my thing? No, ch- church is the organization, friends through which people meet God. It's where people are taught God's word. It's where people gather together and they worship God and they lift him up. It's where they grow, where they're nurtured in their relationship with God. So God blesses us with all these abilities. Listen, not just to use them for ourselves or our families or our jobs, but to serve his church. Now, please don't misunderstand me here. Uh, Using your God-given abilities for yourself or your family or your job, it's wonderful. In fact, we do whole series on how to serve your family or how to serve on the job and and so on. But not to the neglect of Jesus' church. Now, I want to go back to 1 Corinthians 12 because I see in this chapter two major reasons why Christ followers sometimes fail to use the abilities that God has poured into their lives for the benefit of others in their church. Okay, first major reason is this, we underestimate ourselves. We underestimate ourselves. Drop down to verse 15. Uh, Paul is about to use an analogy of the human body. And and the point that he's going to make is, hey, every one of us is a member of the body of Christ. 
Okay, so, so you may be a heel, you may be a left knee, you may be a right earlobe, but it doesn't matter what, what role you play, it's an important role. Every role is an important role, is the point that, that Paul wants to make. So pick it up at verse 15. He says, now if the foot should say, because I'm not a hand, I don't belong to the body, it would not for that reason stop being part of the body. And if the ear should say, because I'm not an eye, I don't belong to the body, it would not for that reason stop being part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would the sense of hearing be? If the whole body were an ear, where would the sense of smell be? But in fact, God has placed the parts in the body, every one of them, just as he wanted them to be. If they were all one part, where would the body be? See, I, I, I have a sense, friends, that the reason some in the church don't ever get to the place of using their God-given abilities, that he's overflowed in their lives, they, they underestimate themselves. They believe that when God was giving out shapes, they kind of got leftovers. They got boring stuff, right? You ever feel that way about yourself? You know, coming to a church like Christ Community Church can make you feel that way. You walk into a worship service and we've got these super talented musicians on stage leading us in worship and you say, where do they get those talented people who could stand up in front of hundreds of people? My goodness. Or you drop off your, your second grader at Kids World and you, you see her walk in and circle around a teacher who is gifted to hold the attention of a, a gaggle of seven-year-olds and you say, I could, I could never do that. Or you go to your community group and you marvel at the fact that your community group leader is so spiritually mature and knows the Bible backwards and forwards. Oh my goodness. In fact, every ministry you check out around here, it's tempting to walk away and say, I could never do that. Not like them. All right? Do you underestimate yourself? Maybe you underestimate yourself because you're a retiree. Yeah, I'm just kind of old for this stuff. Maybe at the other end of the spectrum, you underestimate yourself because you're a middle schooler. You're listening to me right now and you're saying, well, I'm just a middle schooler. I just come with mom and dad. Maybe you underestimate yourself because you're brand new to the faith. Okay, you've just begun following Jesus. Maybe you underestimate yourself because you're single or because English is your second language and you don't speak such great English. Or maybe it's because you've got disabilities you wrestle with. Do you underestimate yourself because you're probably not serving if you do? I'm, I'm so glad. I got a friend named Denny. I am so glad that Denny has never underestimated himself. Uh, Denny has been coming to Christ Community almost since the day we opened our doors 32 years ago. And when I look at the list of excuses that he could use not to serve, Denny's got all the bases covered, but he's never used those excuses. I mean, he could say to this day, he's still serving. He could say to this day, well, I've served for 32 years. It's time somebody else, somebody else starts serving. I'm going to sit back. Or he could say, I'm a retiree, for goodness sakes. I'm tired. Let the young people do it around here. Or he could say, for years, he traveled as a businessman. He could say, hey, I'm on the road all week long. When I'm home, I'm home. I don't want to go off serving. Or he could say, I love to play golf and there's not enough time for golf and church stuff. He loves to play golf. Danny loves to play golf. But it's never kept him from serving. He could say, I've got six grandkids right now. And you, you know being a grandpa is a full-time business, right? But he doesn't use that excuse. He could say, and this is the biggest one of all, he could say, I've got Parkinson's disease, for goodness sakes. And he does. But if you saw Denny serve on a weekend around Christ Community Church, you would never know that. 
One of the ways in which he serves, he's a center aisle usher at our St. Charles campus. And here's this guy with Parkinson's running up and down the aisle trying to find a good seat for you who come to the St. Charles campus. And he's got his hands in the air in between because he's singing the praise songs as we sing. And he's hugging whoever slows down enough to get a hug from him. He's never underestimated himself. Do you underestimate what God could do through you if you began to serve at Christ's community? Now, at the other end of the continuum, I'm guessing that some of us don't serve at Christ's community church because we overestimate ourselves. You know, maybe we've got a, a really important day job, so to speak, and so we view the serving opportunities at Christ Community Church as not quite as significant as what we do the rest of the week. You know, we're a doctor or a lawyer. We're a school superintendent or a top salesperson. We're a CEO or a stay-at-home mom raising godly kids. And I would say, yes, indeed, those are extremely important jobs, and they do involve serving people, so way to go. However, they don't give us a pass if we're Christ followers when it comes to serving the body of Christ, the local church. Nobody gets a pass. You know, I, say, I love it when I see around Christ Community Church a guy I know who runs four businesses during the week, but on the weekend he's operating one of the video cameras so that, that we can live stream our services to all of our campuses and around the world. I love it when I see a husband and wife lawyer team. They're both brilliant attorneys, and they're using their gifts for administer justice, a ministry at our church that offers free legal help to people who can't afford it. You know, I love it when I see around Christ Community Church really important people in the world's eyes directing traffic or rocking babies in the nursery or mentoring middle school students or leading a Bible study at the jail. See, God gave each of us an abundance of abilities which he expects us to overflow into the lives of others as we serve them, especially through his church. You get it? Don't underestimate yourself. Don't overestimate yourself. Roll up your sleeves and serve. Now, here's a third question. How important is all this? I mean, how important is it that, that you personally serve the church with the abundance of gifts God's given you? I want to move to another text. We've been in 1 Corinthians 12. Go to the right, several books, to the book of Ephesians. Ephesians chapter 4. And while you're looking for Ephesians 4, I want to share with you an analogy uh, that a good friend of mine came up with to describe the weekend services at Christ Community Church. And I think it's a really good analogy so far as it goes. Uh, but I also think it's a little bit incomplete, so I'm going to add what I think is really important to it. So here's the analogy. Uh, my friend said to me some time ago, he says, I like to picture Christ Community Church on weekends as being like a huge aircraft carrier. Okay, huge aircraft carrier. And he says, I'm a fighter pilot during the week. Now, this guy leads an international organization and trying to be a Christ follower in his job, he takes a lot of hits. So he says, every week when I return to the aircraft carrier, he says, I'm kind of beat up. My, my plane has been shot through, there are bullet holes in it, part of the wing's been ripped off, okay? I've run out of gas, and personally, as a pilot, I'm exhausted. 
So he said, when, when, when I show up, what I need from Christ's community on the weekend, I need to be patched up. I need to be refueled. I need to be motivated so that I go out and I keep on flying these missions. That's good stuff, isn't it? Great analogy. But here's what I think is still missing. I'm going to take it one step further. Okay, when you fly your missions during the week, who, who sets those missions on course? Who determines the mission that the fighter pilot is, is flying off to accomplish? Is it just he's kind of willy-nilly deciding that on himself, and so they're all going, choosing their own direction, going wherever they please? Obviously not. There is a command central on that ship that is saying, okay, there are individual missions to be assigned. However, we're working together for a common battle plan. Okay, we want you to play a role in this, this game plan that we're working on. So when you fly back to the Christ Community Church aircraft carrier each week, yes, we want to patch you up. Yes, we want to refuel you. Yes, we want to motivate you to go back out and keep on flying, whether that's in your school or your neighborhood or your workplace or whatever. But we're not simply about everybody's individual mission. We're, we're not just in the business of helping you succeed as a parent or spouse or friend or worker or boss. We're also asking you to play a role in the common battle plan of our church. See, friends, we, we've got a mission that God wants us to accomplish together. Let me read it to you from Ephesians 4. If you're open to Ephesians 4, I'm going to read verses 11 and 12 and then drop down to verse 16. Paul, who writes this epistle as well, he says, So Christ, Christ himself gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors, and teachers. So he's describing the leader, leadership of the church. What is their role? He continues, the, the role of these leaders is to equip God's people for works of service so that the body of Christ, so that the church may be built up. Now drop down to verse 16. And from Christ, the whole body joined and held together by every supporting ligament grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. So friends, what's the job of a church's leaders? It's to equip people to serve. For what purpose? Strictly for the enrichment of their personal lives? No. For, for the building up, for the growth of the church, Paul says. Now, let me repeat what I said earlier about the importance of the church. Why is the church such a big deal? Why should this be our focus? Because it's the organization where people meet God. It's where people are taught God's word and come together to worship and exalt God. It's where they grow in their relationship with God, where that relationship is nurtured. Now, unfortunately, many Christ followers today find that they can get these spiritual needs met outside the church, and so the church starts feeling a little superfluous, not quite necessary. I mean, you, you, you want worship? Here, here's all you need to do. Just put in your earbuds and listen to the latest Chris Tomlin or Hillsong album. You got worship. So you, you want Bible teaching? You don't need to come and listen to Nicodem on a weekend. Just turn on Christian radio or tune in online to your favorite speaker's podcast. You want a group experience? Okay, you don't need to be in a community group at Christ Community Church. There are Bible study groups that meet in the community and whatnot and uh, you know, random places. You want to serve? Okay, j just go down to Feed My Starving Children or some other Christian organization, roll up your sleeves, and you could serve. See, we, we choose from a, a broad menu of activities that build us up individually as Christ followers. 
but are we building up our church? Are we, are we building up, or are we like baseball players who go from clinic to clinic that teach us how to bat and how to field and how to run the bases, but we never join a team? We, we never join, we're not part of a group that's purposefully playing together to win a pennant. Now, I happen to believe that Christ Community Church, God wants our church to win a pennant. I believe that God wants us collectively to reach spiritually lost people in our communities and around the world with the good news of Jesus. I believe that God wants us as a team. I believe that God wants us as a team to get together every week and lift up his praise, not just in solo voices. I believe that as a team, God wants us to meet the physical and spiritual desperate needs of people in our community and around the world. You know, I believe that this, hap this happens as a team. We need a team to pull off this mission. We need a church, in the words of Ephesians 4, that is growing and building itself up in love as each part does its work. Each part does its, each part does its work. Now, friends, let me tell you, that's, that's why we have declared 2018 to be the year of the volunteer at Christ Community Church. This year is the year of the volunteer because volunteers are the key to growing the kind of church I've just been describing. Stop and think about it. People who volunteer to serve around this place, they're more likely to show up consistently, to, to attend with regularity because they got a job to do, right? People who volunteer to serve around here probably pray more passionately for this ministry. I mean, we just finished up a week of prayer for our church. Every day we had different things to pray about. And I'd be willing to bet that the people who prayed most passionately are the people who are involved in some area of service around here. You, you may have even forgotten to pray for the church this week if you're not involved in some way. You know, when people volunteer to serve, guess what? They invite their friends more enthusiastically to church. When people volunteer to serve, they give more generously to the ministry of the church. See, people who volunteer are the key to the church's growth and vitality and sense of mission. So let me tell you how to volunteer. Okay, if you are overflowing and want to overflow into the life of the church, if you're willing to put to good use all those abilities that God has abundantly blessed you with for the sake of the body of Christ, here's how to do it. All right, and let, let me just start. Let me preface it. I'm going to give you three pointers here, but let me preface them, these applications, with some good news. The good news is I believe we as a church probably have a higher percentage of people serving than most churches do. Uh, you could tell it from just the excitement around this place and the wide variety of ways in which people can serve. However, having said that, I would also add that we have a large percentage of people who come on a regular basis and still haven't found their sweet spot of serving. Now, it may be because you're still new to the church. You've been here such a short time, you don't know where to serve. Or it may be because you're taking a break, okay, you served regularly for a while, and then some life circumstance came along, and for a season you had to step back, but you just haven't re-engaged yet. Or it could be that you've been here for years, you've been here for five years or 10 years or 15 years, and somehow you've managed to steal yourself against sermons like this one, and I don't know how you do it. Because my job is a, I got two jobs as a pastor. I'm to, 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 to comfort the troubled and I'm to trouble those who are comfortable. So, 
And somehow I've not managed to trouble some of you yet. And, and some of you may be serving, but you know you're serving way below the abilities God's given you. You know, kind of given a token amount here or there, serving one week a month at something, and, and you're not challenged. You're not challenged. So how do you do it? Number one, when you leave today, our auditoriums at our four campuses, in the lobby space of every campus, there is a ministry fair. There's a bunch of ministries that are telling you what they do. Check them out. See if there's something that catches your interest. Okay, number two, go online. We've got a brand new website called Simply Serve. So go to ccclife.org slash simply serve and, and you'll have a list of every ministry within the church, two categories, within the church as well as within the community where Christ Community Church is partnering with, with partners in the community at large. Okay, so all of those opportunities are listed there. And let me tell you what will surprise you is the amazing amount of diversity Okay, I'll give you one example. Let's suppose God's given you a heart for children. You love kids. But you've never volunteered to serve in kids' world, and here's the reason why. You say, but I don't have the gift to teach them. I can't see myself surrounded by a bunch of eight-year-olds trying to hold their attention for 45 minutes. Well, guess what? Teaching isn't the only thing you could do in kids' world. In fact, if you go online and you look at the opportunities, or you prayed on Monday because our prayer list called us to pray for Kids World on Monday. You will find that Kids World needs people to check in families so that they feel welcome as they're checking their kids in. We need people to help lead children in worship, and it's a rowdy time of worship, let me tell you. We need people who just come alongside little children and befriend them. Just come and be a friend to kids. We need people part, as part of our security detail for children's ministry because we want Kids World to be safe. We need people who are administrators during the week. They're setting things in motion so that kids' world moves smoothly on the weekend. So if you've got a heart for kids, but you're not a teacher, that's okay. There's so many places to serve. Here's a third thing you could do. Okay, check out the ministry fair. Go online to Simply Serve. Or, number three, just jump in anywhere. You, you don't even need to go to the ministry fair, perhaps, or look at the long list of activities, potential uh, opportunities at Simply Serve, if you've been around here for any length of time and you've observed some ministry where you've said, I think I'd really like to do that, well then jump in and do it. And here's the beautiful thing about serving at Christ Community. Friends, if you, you start to serve and you figure out two weeks, three weeks into this, I don't like doing this, okay, you are not stuck with that job until Jesus comes, all right? So it works the same way we tell you this with community groups. If you sign up for a community group and it just doesn't fit you and you realize after a month or two it's not working for you, then go find another group. We bless you to do that. Do it. Serving-wise, if you'd like to serve here and you, you find yourself doing something you don't enjoy doing, God's given you this shape because he wants you to have fun while you're serving the body of Christ. So you're not going to be stuck. Now, I'm going to ask our campus pastors to come and close um, with a word of prayer and then send you out to the ministry fair. We're deliberately ending a few minutes early today, about 10 minutes early. If you have a kid, a child in kids world, they're going to watch your children an extra 10 minutes. Now, don't go out to lunch and then come back later, all right? But we want you to visit, we want you to visit the ministry fair. 
and give you the opportunity to, to do that. So we're not even going to take time to close in a song. The only music we want is the pitter-patter of your feet leaving the auditorium and making your way to the ministry fair. So stand with me, if you would, and I'm going to ask our campus pastors now if you'd close up the services at your various campuses.